Welcome to True Talks, an honest and open look into the challenges we all face every day dealing with God, family, and others. Now, here's Pastor Tim Buttry, founder and CEO of True Relationships. My message this morning isn't about marriage. It's about relationships because Jesus identified that the most important things in the law, everything about the law, he said, everything about the prophets, the entire word of God boils down to two things. You remember what he said they were? He said that they were relationship with God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So everything comes down to those two principles, those two laws, if you will. Uh, I, I was thinking earlier that when I pastored a church, I was into John Maxwell. Still am. Love John Maxwell. But uh, he's a leadership guru. And he said everything rises and falls on leadership. Well, I've recently tried to get the word to John that I am in a little bit of a disagreement with him over that. I believe that everything, including leadership, rises and falls on relationships. Because without relationship, you don't have leadership. John used to say, he who takes a walk and no one follows is not leading. So if you are going to lead, you have to be in relationship. You have to understand what it takes to be in relationship. Relationships have to thrive around you. If they are not thriving, then you're probably failing at some level and what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife, what it means to be a mother or a father, what it means to be a son or a daughter. The principles that I want to share with you this morning, and go ahead and go to the first screen. The, the principles I want to share with you this morning have to do with thriving. Thriving is about living life to its fullest. Thriving is, about, is the opposite of languishing. Languishing is you're dull. Nothing's working. Uh, one of the worship leaders this morning talked about if, if your, the, the message, the song that you've been singing has been a, a negative one. Uh, poor me. Uh, I remember my mom used to always tell me this, uh, this little poem that talked about uh, poor me. I'm gonna, uh, nobody loves me. I'm going to go out in the garden and eat worms. You know, if that's your song, you need a new song, right? Uh, we, we need a song that's about thriving that's about living, that's about loving, that's about doing, that's about making people happy, making people also thrive in what they're doing. And that's what the church is all about. I'm reading a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scassaro. And he claims that the church, the church, okay, here, this, this place, what we're doing this morning, has the responsibility, interesting terminology, he says, to reparent the people in their congregation. Because we have had such poor modeling over the last several decades, if not generations, that, that we don't know how to love anymore. We don't know how to live anymore. We don't know how to be in relationship anymore. We, we've, we've raised a generation of, of um, narcissistic people that are only focused on themselves, that are, and they don't even realize it. They don't even know that's what's happening because they're so used to it being about them that they've never matured, they've never developed, they've never grown. And a lot of times that's because of a lack of modeling 
by parents. Because if parents didn't have modeling, (laughs) if parents didn't know how to do it, their parents failed in them. It doesn't take very many generations before you've got a, a really nasty soup. And today I think we've got a really desperate situation. And I believe that's one of the reasons that God is even allowing this stigma against counseling to be taken away. Because there's such a need for us to be able to get some nuggets of truth, some some biblical wisdom to be able to make our lives work again. To be able to glorify God so we're not languishing in all of our negativity and depression and our inabilities to make life work. The inability to be able to be in relationship with one other person sometimes. Just, just one other person. I mean, I'm not talking about a, a whole city full. I'm not talking about even a church full. I'm just talking about being in healthy relationship with one or two other folks. We, we struggle. And so it, I, I consider myself blessed of God for the last 15 years to be able to do this ministry that we've called True Relationships because we want you to have true relationships. True as in right. True as in good. True as in appropriate. True as in biblical. The Bible tells us that you'll know the truth, and the truth sets you free. I I, I like that. I want to be free. I want you to be free. We, we have a lot of resources that we'd love to offer to you. We just brought a few today. They're on the table in the back. We'd love to have you come by, and, and if nothing else, just say hi. Uh, we'd love to shake your hand, meet you, but we've got a, a bunch of resources. We've got some of our seminars. These seminars are a minimum of five hours. Now, that may be overwhelming to you. It's like, oh, well, I don't want to do that. But I'm telling you that when you get to a place where you need counseling, well, you're going to be paying a lot per hour to be able to have that necessary input into your life one-on-one or as a couple. You can take home resources like our True Intimacy DVD set, and we'll make it available to you this morning for a, uh, an offering of $20. And if you don't have $20, throw it, Linda, whatever you got, we'll take it. Because it's not about the money for us. It really isn't. It's, it's, I say this to every couple that comes to us. We operate on a donation basis. We have suggested donations because we, we want to stay doing what we're doing. And if you can afford it, then great. If you can do more, fantastic. If you can't do all of it, we are good with that. Because our goal is to minister. Our goal is to have you in a place of safety where God can do what only He can do. And he uses the people of true relationships, those that are being used by God in ministry and counseling, to be able to help walk you through to health and wholeness. And so we'd love for you to stop by. We've got a a couple of marriage seminars that are on DVD. Some are on CD. Uh, Anything less than $20 is fine. I don't care. We just want to get them to you. Uh, We're also making this a very special deal because last time nobody came to the table. So now I'm putting a little guilt on you. Okay, sorry, didn't mean to do that. It just kind of came out. Uh, But but anyway, seriously, it would be an investment. If you you have children that are getting married, uh, we've got a great premarital counseling program. Uh, I I talked to a friend who's a a local DJ in Dayton, 
and he does weddings. He does, uh, not weddings, but he does the receptions. He's the DJ and all of that. He's booked out to 2016. People are booking him out to be able to spin records and MC a reception for a wedding. And yet we struggle to, to value this effort of eight sessions with a trained counselor to help you establish your future. Enough already with the wedding. Let's begin to invest into the marriage because that is a lifelong covenant relationship. Relationship that must thrive. And if it doesn't, you're going to be miserable. And the unfortunate truth of the matter is that about 89%, the best that we can establish a percentage, about 89% of marriages are languishing, not thriving. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to get divorced. It doesn't mean that it's on the verge of ending. But they're not enjoying the marriage. They're not thriving in their relationships. And that's just not okay. So stop by, take advantage of our resources that can help you or someone you know thrive. The verse I want to start with this morning is one that you're probably familiar with. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7, 17 and 18. I, want, I like it out of the message, so I want to read it from the, the message. It says, anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. How many are glad for a fresh start? Okay, every one of us that are united with Jesus Christ, we've been given a fresh start. They are created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. Now, this is where I want you to focus. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and Him. In the King James Version, that's called God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This morning, I like the way this says it. God settled the relationship between us and Him, and as a result of that, it says, then He called us to settle our relationships with each other. That's ministry. That's the church's primary calling outside of evangelism, outside of winning people to Christ. But see, that really, when you come right down to it, the whole idea of winning someone to God through Jesus Christ is about restoring their relationship with God. It's about relationship. Their, their relationship with God is, is destroyed, is non-existent. So we're not just feeding them a bunch of stuff to get them to come to our church. We are doing the ministry of reconciling them with God. How much better does it get than that? And then after that happens, then he says, now, that, that's not enough. It's not enough to just reconcile your relationship with God. Jesus did that for you. All you've got to do is accept it. Now, you've got the job. It's your responsibility. That may be with a parent, a neighbor, someone in the church, a child, a spouse, a friend. You and I have been given the responsibility 
to settle our relationships with each other. So this morning, I want to share three things with you, three words. The first one is honor. Again, like I said, it's, it's not a new word. It's not a word that you haven't heard before. But I want to make sure you understand how honor is associated with relationships, true relationships, healthy, thriving relationships. There are three primary principles that I believe make all relationships succeed. The first is honor. Romans 12.10. Romans 12.10 says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Okay, can you see how we went from the first passage of Scripture in Second Corinthians 5 to this one and how they, they dovetail, they work together? Loving each other with a genuine affection and taking delight. Everybody say delight. Now, that's an attitude of the heart. That's something that comes out of the soul. It, 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 it's not about resentment. It's not about anger. It's not about, well, I'll do it when you do it. I'll submit when you're worthy of submitting to. I'll love you when you stop talking to me that way. No, this is about delighting in giving affection and honor to one another. This is a spiritual process. And that's why you and I, as, as followers of Christ, are blessed. We've been given the secrets to relationship. The world struggles. They want to make marriage about whatever they want to make it because it's convenient to them. God gave us the secret recipe. He showed us what it takes, what it's going to take to make it work, what makes relationships thrive. And you and I have the privilege of not only enjoying that, basking in that, we have the responsibility to share that message with others. And not just in a way of teaching, but in a way of doing. Where I am actually doing the ministry of reconciling other relationships. That's not just my job or Amy's job or Pastor Shannon's job. That's not just our job as professionals. That's all of our jobs to make sure that our relationships are healthy. And when they are not, we've got some simple signals that will happen. They will tell us that our relationships are languishing. They are not growing. They're not thriving. They're not happy. They're not healthy. And when that happens, it's simple. Get help. Figure it out. Get on your knees. Get on your feet. Go somewhere. Call somebody. Do something. But what do we do? Well, I'll just keep trying. And then we get to a point where we resent how hard we've tried. It doesn't seem to work. We blame the other person because they haven't done what they're supposed to do. Folks, it doesn't have to go that way. It just doesn't. And honor puts relationships in their right place. Relationships thrive in the presence of honor. Now, when I talk about honor, the big idea here is about respect. Honor 
Interestingly enough, I, I've, I've taught this many times, that I believe a man's number, man, meaning the male individuals in the room, a man's number one need is honor. Now, I'm, I'm not teaching this as a gender-based teaching this morning. This isn't about men. This is about human beings. All of us need to be honored. We need to be honored in the way that we're talked to. We need to be honored in the way that we are referred to. Honor is about respect. Here's what I found in my role as a counselor. If I don't respect my spouse, I am going to speak to them in dishonoring ways. I'm going to be harsh. I teach about when a conflict happens. Did you know that 69% of all conflicts in relationships are perpetual? They don't go away. You thought you were unique, didn't you? You thought you were the only one that has excessive amounts of conflict that doesn't get resolved. The bottom line is almost 70% of conflict in relationships is ongoing. Why? Because we're so different from each other. We don't think the same. We don't process the same. We don't have the same expectations or needs or values. We don't know everything, how the other person is doing. And as a result, if we don't respect them, we're not going to believe them. Honor is about respect. When I am in a relationship with you, it is my obligation to honor you, period. It's not about whether or not you're honorable. It's about my responsibility before God to honor you. I believe that's what Ephesians 5 is talking about, because Ephesians 5, when it talks about husbands and wives, it actually starts out with this phrase, Submit one to the other. It's equal submission. It's equal honor. A wife cannot say, I'll respect you, I'll submit to you if or when. It is our obligation before God to be honoring, not honorable, honoring for a husband. His task before God is to lay his life down before God as unto Christ, to lay his life down. That There's nothing more honorable or honoring than that. It doesn't surprise me that a, a man's greatest need is honor. Not S-E-X, no, honor. That is our greatest need. And, and when I feel dishonored, I shut down, or I get upset, or I'm hurt, or I want to avoid that situation. No, that doesn't make it right. My responses may not be correct. But as humans, typically, when we are being dishonored, we're going to avoid that scenario or that relationship. When you're being dishonoring to your spouse, husbands and wives, when you're being dishonoring to your parents' kids. I believe that when the Bible tells us as one of the Ten Commandments that we are, that we are to uh, 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 children 
Obey your parents. Obeying, obedience is a form of honor. I believe it could equally say, children, honor your parents. Obey, honor, respect, it's all part of the same package. And when we are in an intimate relationship, and a lot of what I talk about has to do with intimate relationships. It's not the man on the street stuff. It's, it's not somebody you meet in an elevator. It's not even somebody that you work with necessarily, although those relationships can be happy and healthy and necessary. It's when you get into intimate relationships. You see, at work, I might have to honor my boss because if I don't, I won't get a paycheck. Okay, so it doesn't come from my heart necessarily. It should, but it doesn't necessarily have to. When you're in an intimate relationship, the only thing that, that, that drives that is choice. I've chosen you. My choice dictates that I have an intimate relationship with you, and in that relationship, I have to honor you. And if I don't honor you, then our relationship will begin to languish our relationship will begin to disconnect. Oh, believe me, I, I know all about disconnecting. Linda and I were there. Don't have time to tell that story, and some of you have already heard it, but we disconnected royally for lots of good reasons. Kids, ministry, life, we disconnected. And in our disconnecting, we both became dishonoring to the other person. Honor, respect, concern, obedience. You say obedience? Yeah, obedience. Obedience is a godly character. Obedience is a fruit of the Spirit. Obedience is something that we need to be functioning in, to be obedient followers of Christ. What does it mean to be obedient? It doesn't mean I'm under the gun. It doesn't mean I'm a, a, a slave driven by someone else. Obedience is a, is a response of my heart. It is about doing the right thing. It is about speaking the right way. It is about honoring and respecting you. When it comes to relationships, if you want your relationships to thrive, you've got to figure out how to honor them. And just keep in mind that the, the, the most significant aspect of honoring is respect. So if you will respect me, I am going to feel honored. I am going to feel strong. When Linda honors me, when she loves me the way that she knows I respond to love, when she tells me I'm doing a good job, when she acknowledges the things about my heart that only she knows, that honors me. That lifts me up. That makes me feel like the king of the universe. And we can do that to each other because when we honor another above ourselves, that is the core of what we teach See, there, there's, this, there's this problem in America today. It's called self-centeredness. We are a culture, a people 
that are self-centered. Again, I'm not, I'm not cracking the whip. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. But we've got problems. And it started generations ago, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And when we are honoring, here's the deal, honoring respect for others is what we call other-centered. It's not about selflessness. It's not about uh, um, laying our lives down to everyone. We only, as, a, as a husband, I have to do that to God, to God, to my wife, before God as unto God. But, but it's not about me being nobody, being a, a, a rug for everybody to walk on. It's not about me being selfless in that way. It's about me being other-centered. Honor is about being other-centered instead of self-centered. Honor others above yourselves. The second principle that I want to share with you this morning is another word that's an H word, that you can take notes with if you want, and hopefully you'll be able to remember these because the second one is honesty. In Proverbs 24, 26, it says, An honest answer is a sign of true friendship. I love that. I love it in the Good News translation. An honest answer is a sign, a signal, a representation of true friendship. We're about true relationships here. True relationships are about true friendships as well. It's about knowing what it takes to make a friendship thrive. Well, one of the things that makes relationships work is honesty. I found out some interesting information about honesty. I, 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 I love words, and I love it when there's a possibility that words have a root uh, um, Connection. Etymology is what it's referred to. Where you look at the originations of a word. Where does a word come from? What might it be related to? How might other words play into one word that we didn't even realize connected at a very deep level? Well, I discovered that in these two words. Honor and honesty are connected at the hip. They are siblings. They are related. If you go back, next screen. If you go back to the Latin, the word honor, I'm sorry, the word honesty comes from the Latin word honestus. You can already begin to see the connection to the word honesty. From honor, and then it also says, see the Latin honester, which means I don't want to get too technical here, but really all I want you to do is see the underlying part of this. That honesty, from its original roots, is connected to the word honor. And it means to clothe or adorn with honor. Okay? Are they the same? Am I giving you two words with the same focus? I hope not. I hope I'm helping you realize that if I am going to be honoring to you, one of the greatest ways, one of the most significant ways that I can honor you in relationship with me is to be honest. What does it mean to be honest? I think we get confused about that. You, you have no idea how many times in a counseling session 
with a husband and a wife somehow in that environment. And I do, I do everything I can to make that place and that time safe for everybody. Which is another way to honor. Respect is really about being safe. And one of the things that I've discovered, one of the things that's happened more often than you could imagine, is where in that safe place, one of them will say something, and the other will say, I've never heard them say that before. Okay, what am I getting at? What I'm getting at is that honesty is not about not lying. Honesty here is not about not being deceptive. Honesty is about honoring you by being honest about what it is that's going on inside of me. Being honest with who I am as a person. Being real. Being genuine. And if I can't be genuine, I can't be in a relationship with you. I was prophesied over one time, and in that prophecy I was told, don't hang out with people that don't like who you are. Now that sounds a little extreme, and I I didn't take it as far as what some people might think. The point, what I understood that being said to me was that when people are negative and don't like who you are, they want you to be someone you're not, they want you to fit into what they want you to be, then don't hang out with them. You be who God created you to be. You be honest. You be genuine. You be truthful. Truthful about what your needs are. Truthful about what your struggles are. Truthful about what... Speak the truth in love. That's what it means to be honest. (laughs) It's not okay. Enough of it when we say, well, I was just being honest. Well, it really hurt. Thank you very much. See, we, we've got to combine honesty with safety. If I say whatever I want to say because I just feel it, well, and if I am not appreciative or uh, aware of what it might do to you, now again, I'm not talking about not being honest. I'm talking about being honest in a way that's honoring. See, that's, that's why they're connected. Wives, you can't just say whatever you think or feel because you're being honest with your husband. Because if you're being honest and he's being dishonored, it's going nowhere quick. I promise. It, it, won't, it won't penetrate. It won't make it to his heart. And if it doesn't make it to his heart, <laughs> then you're not going to feel heard. You're not going to feel loved. Husbands, it's the same. See, we're, we're, as men, we can be strong. We can be opinionated. We can believe strongly about something. And if we use our power to get our way, that's dishonoring. Wives need honored. Children need honored. Parents today It's not okay for you to just get upset and angry with them because they haven't done what they're supposed to do. You have to to tell them what it is that you need and why you need it and that, that they're being honoring to you when they do it. 
but you've got to be honoring to them. I'm tired of having people come to my office that are so jaded with God because their fathers that called themselves Christians were angry, harsh, disrespectful men that treated their children disrespectfully and dishonorably. Enough. This isn't rocket science. You can do this. You can be honest. You can be honoring. You can make your relationships thrive. So be safe. The last word that I want to share with you this morning is humility. Honor, honesty, and humility. See, humility is the attitude that keeps the relationship healthy. Humility is actually the attitude that allows us to be honest and honoring. Humility is at the the root of it all, at the core of it all. It is the principle by which honor and honesty honesty are capable of functioning. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 with me. Here's what it says in in the Tim Buttrey paraphrase. (laughs) I just kind of like the way I put it. Sorry. Um, But but it's, it's in keeping with the original, so don't... It's not out of context. So here, here's, here's the way I would say this verse in Philippians chapter 2. Don't be self-centered, always drawing attention to yourselves. Be humble, finding the good, finding the good in others. Be other-centered. When you look out for others and take interest in them, you are functioning in the attitude Everybody say attitude. Okay, so this is, this is what this is all about. This is an attitude. This isn't a discipline. This is an attitude. This is something that comes from the root of who we are. This is something that comes from the heart. If it's not in your heart, it's not going to come out. <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is at the root of who God wants us to become in Jesus Christ. You know, I grew up hearing the phrase, well, don't ever pray for humility. Really? Why? Why why should we not pray for humility? It is the attitude of Jesus Christ that makes everything else work. So be other-centered. Look out for others. Take interest in them. And when you do that, You're functioning in the attitude that Christ Jesus had. If you're prideful, you'll find it difficult to honor others, won't you? I mean, it just won't be very natural at all. Uh, I mean, honor can be taught. It's taught in the armed services. That kind of honor, I think, is a very valid, very meaningful, very appropriate Uh, kind of honor and respect. But what the kind of honor and honesty and humility that I'm talking about doesn't come from a pure discipline. It comes from an attitude of the heart. If you're prideful, you're going to have a hard time 
being honest or being honoring. If you're prideful, you may not be safe for others to be completely honest. You see, because it's not enough for you to be honest, but you want to make it possible for the people in your life to be honest with you. But if you're dishonorable in the way you respond, if, you're, if you respond in a harsh way, see, that was one of the things I did to Linda. One of the things that caused the demise of our relationship. Because I took everything defensively. I took everything as if I was doing something wrong or bad. And so I didn't want to believe that I was doing it wrong, so my lack of humility caused me to react to Linda in harsh, dishonoring ways. If you're prideful, you might not be safe. Besides, pride is the root cause of deception and dishonesty. I mean, look at Adam in the garden. I mean, he lied, he hid. All of those things come out of pride. And so humility is often the missing ingredient in successful relationships. Humility allows one to say, I was wrong. Humility says, I consider you over myself. Humility says, I don't like to be honest sometimes, but I'm going to be honest with you because without that, you won't know me. And if I want you to know me and I want to know you, the only way that's going to happen is if I'm really honest. Because without it, eventually, we're not going to know each other. You're going to get down the road 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you're going to realize you don't know the other person. Because you weren't honest, or it wasn't safe to be honest, or you weren't humble enough to be real, to be genuine. Folks, I also know that there are a lot of wounds that happen that cause us to be afraid to be these things. I, I, I know that, okay? I hear horror stories of abuse sexual molestation and things that don't lend themselves to these three things. I get that. But all I can tell you is that I know your heart wants to have healthy, thriving relationships as much as the next person. So what you got to do is you got to get some help. That's all I can tell you. God is ready, waiting, able but oftentimes God uses someone that has a specialty, a gifting. That's why there are different gifts in the church. That's why there are different callings in the church. Because God uses individuals in their unique giftings and qualifications to be able to do what others cannot. So if you're hurting, if you feel alone, if relationships have had a tendency to fall apart around you. This isn't about slapping you on the wrist today. This isn't about making you feel bad. This isn't about correcting you. This is about correcting the situation. This is about helping you realize that there's, there's more. Let me close with a story. Um, about a year ago or so, um, my pastor, the church that Lynn and I attend, is 
called Grace Crossing, Pastor Gil Dukeman. Gil's been a friend for um, probably 12 years now. When we moved our ministry from California to Ohio, he was the one pastor that I went to and said, hey, we're moving our ministry here. We've been, we've been connected at the hip ever since. I'm on his el- elder team. We attend the church. He's the uh, uh, ch- chairman or the... Um, chairman of our board. So we've been friends, close friends. We were at a little gathering at someone's house at the church, and we were, it was a farewell for some friends. And it was just a fun, it was just a fun event. We had food, there was food in the kitchen, we were all in the living room, we prayed over the food, we went into the kitchen, and I'm just, I just, I'm goofy sometimes, I just love messing with people, and I uh, you see me in the serious mode, but when I'm goofy and crazy, I, I love messing with guys, and, and I love messing with Pastor Gill and some of the other staff that I mess around with. And I went into the kitchen, and we were getting in line for food. I was just being silly, and I kind of grabbed Gill on the backside, kind of goosed him a little bit, you know, and he was like, oh, no, Tim, yeah, hey, good to see you. <laughs> And I was just goofing around. I was just being funny. I didn't mean anything by it. I was just, I saw my buddy and I just kind of messed with him. What I didn't realize was that I offended him. I hurt him. I hurt his feelings. I embarrassed him in front of some of his congregation. Well, that was the last thing I wanted to do. A couple days after that, we were having coffee together. And before we started our talk that we had set for that day for some reason, he said, Tim, there's something i got to tell you. And he told me about that night and what it did to him and how it affected him and how it embarrassed him. Well, I suppose I had options. <laughs> I suppose I could have said, oh, come on, I was just messing around with you. Come on, get real. I mean, good grief. Not everybody thinks anything. They didn't, nobody saw. I, I could have, I suppose. I, I didn't do that, and I'm grateful that I didn't do that. My response was broken. I was embarrassed for him. I was sorry that I had done it. I immediately apologized to him and told him that I would be very, very sensitive to never, in the best of my ability, <laughs> to ever do that again. We never talked about it after that. I apologized. I, we, we, it, it allowed our friendship to remain and even be stronger in ways that I didn't know about until about a month ago. When we talked about that story, that situation. And he said, you know what, Tim? Because do you realize that it was after that that I asked you to be one of our elders? <laughs> I said, no. He said, you went up about 10 notches in my book because I told you something that you did that hurt me, that embarrassed me, that bothered me. And he goes, your response to that event skyrocketed my appreciation and my value and my my love for you as a friend. Isn't that silly? (laughs) I mean, I look at that and I think, here I am, I'm crying. I mean, okay, I'm sorry. That I, do, I do feel things like that sometimes. I hope that doesn't embarrass anybody. I hope it doesn't make you feel like I'm weak because of that. I'm serious. That, it did bother me. And my response to him was one where I was hurt that I had hurt my friend. 
There's nothing wrong with being yourself. There's nothing wrong with him being honest because he was honest with me in an honoring way. He didn't make fun of me. He didn't embarrass me in front of other people. He met me in a private place, and he told me that what I did hurt him. And I responded to him in a way that as I understand it now, I guess what my response was was humble. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or say, wow, I've got it all figured out. But relationships matter. They better matter to me or I better get out of the business I'm in. And I don't want it to just be me that can do it because I have to. I want you to be able to learn from what these messages are so you can have what we have. Isn't that what preaching and teaching is all about? Isn't that the whole point? Is it not my responsibility to come up here and share my life with you so you can figure out what to do in yours? I mean, that's the message of the gospel. So these three principles are circular. It's like the picture of this cross-section of a tree. They're circular, they're cyclical, like the rings of a tree, they feed each other. Honor, honesty, and humility are all symbols, all ways in which we can make healthy relationships strong and vibrant and growing. And like the rings of a tree, we can see that when these three things are in place, we will find areas of growth. We will see the, the cross-section of our lives and of our relationships like this tree. Let the rings of a tree be honor, honesty, and humility, and let them determine a relationship's growth and reveal its health. If you could do a cross-section of your most valuable relationships, what would it reveal? If you could do a cross-section of your marriage, of your relationship with your children, of your relationship with your parents, your family members, your best friend, your pastor, if you could do a cross-section and study what those rings tell you, what would you find? Would you find a skimpy, wimpy, weak tree? Or would you find what God wants us to become, what the Scripture says, that we shall become oaks of righteousness? <laughs> Will it reveal that? I don't know. I, I can't necessarily do that cross-sectioning for you. Maybe I should figure out some counseling process in which to be able to evaluate that, but I think you can do a good enough job of it today. You can look. You can see. Has there been a bug that's entered in and caused that growth to be stunted? Is there hurt, pain, lies, dishonesty, dishonor that have caused this tree, this oak of righteousness to be less than it was meant to be? Only you can know that. This has been True Talks with Pastor Tim Buttrey. If you'd like more information about true relationships, just visit us on the web at truerelationships.org or on Twitter at Tim Buttrey or on Facebook at True Plus True.